السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام على الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتديه لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدل ما في علم الله صلاة والسلام دائمين بدوام ملك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وشرنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله واحدا وربا شاهدا ونحن له مسلمون وشر أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده رسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني مصيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله لتقوى الله سبحانه وتعالى is the most important commodity of all that we can remind each other of. This is the imperative that is upon the neck of every Muslim to adorn ourselves with the zina to taqwa. And there is no doubt the more taqwa that a human being has, the more beautiful they become, the more beautiful their heart becomes, and then the more beautiful everything that emanates from their blessed heart that is adorned with taqwa also becomes. And what a blessing to be <coughs> from the ummah of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. An ummah who our shi'ar is one of ihsan. The way that it is that we should be known when people interact with us is that we are from the muhsineen. And then the traces of that ihsan remain and affect all of those various people that interact with us. This is what is hoped for and this is the standard that we have to live up to. And even though we fall short constantly, we have to remind ourselves day in and day out, day in and day out, to not just be people of Iman and Islam, but to really that open up this third dimension of Ihsan and strive to become people of it because there is so much that it needs to be done in this world that in order for it really to be done it requires people that have realized this third dimension of this blessed deen the dimension of Ihsan and alhamdulillah our Prophet wasallam, <clears throat> he has left us with comprehensive guidance Everything that it is that we need to know, he has conveyed it to the Sadat and the Sahaba, who then conveyed it to the generation after them, who then conveyed it to the generation after them. And no matter how much that we speak about the virtue in the greatness of Senat or Isnad, this connection that we all have back to our Prophet through these great men and women, who realized the deen within themselves after knowing it and putting it into practice and then by virtue of their sincerity and their realization and their dissemination of this prophetic inheritance that they ensured that the deen would go on by how they're through their transmission to the generation after them. What a great blessing 
to really think about this connection that we all have to Rasulullah And if you've ever studied with a scholar of hadith, and you've learned about their connection, you've read it, scholar after scholar, scholar after scholar, back to Rasulullah himself وسلم, remember, as a new believer, when I first heard an entire chain of narration mentioned to me, it was something that struck me deeply. What an amazing blessing that we know every single person who narrates that same tradition back to Rasulullah himself And those that have studied with teachers, who have studied with teachers, when you learn about your teachers, teachers, and your teachers, 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 and your teachers, 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 what a great blessing. And it gives you certainty because you've seen your own teachers. You've seen their degree of taqwa. You've seen their degree of scrupulousness. You've seen the way that they avoid the haram, rather even the halal. And how that they limit themselves to what they partake in from this world. Then you can only imagine the way that their teachers were. Because the stories that they tell about their teachers makes them seem as if they are nothing. And then the stories that their teachers would tell about their teachers would make them seem as nothing. Back to Rasulullah sallallahu And one of the great aspects of this deen that our Prophet has left us with sallallahu it was of course very conscious of. And we can speak of it in a slightly modern way <clears throat> with modern <clears throat> terminology. But it points to a reality that our Prophet was aware of sallallahu And it's the use of language and the importance of having a sacred religious vocabulary. And if you really think about this, yes, that the use of language is part of human experience. But to specifically have language in, used in a particular way that opens up a door for us to experience our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that He's permitted us to experience Him. What a great blessing. And this is the greatest purpose of a sacred religious vocabulary is for us to fulfill our purpose here on earth, which relates directly to the knowledge of Allah and experiencing and witnessing the divine impact upon creation. And there are so many words like this, but we're going to focus on just one. And knowing that when we speak about a word in English, just as in Arabic, if you say the word kalima, that it can actually refer to more than one word. The same goes in English. We saw we say the kalimat al-tawheed, which is what? La ilaha illallah, four words. But it's the kalimat al-tawheed, the word of tawheed, and the same thing goes in English. And this word is what is known as the basmala. And that is saying Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. This is something that we all know. This is something that we all do. But it is very important for us to be conscious of why it is that we say Bismillahir Rahman Rahim so much. And to understand the meanings of what it is that we are saying and the purpose of what it is, why that we are using this blessed word and what happens when it is that we actually do use it. So that if we begin and we take a bit of a closer look, Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. You have a particle, and then you have that four that nouns that follow after it. 
in the Bahir, in the Arabic language, it is a particle that has a number of different meanings. And oftentimes, there are certain things that are understood with any Arabic construction. In this case, that the Bahir, as they say, is muta'allaq bi mahruf. That is, it is semantically linked to an elided word. Something's been omitted here. And then they differ about, okay, what is actually omitted here? When you say Bismillah in the name of Allah, what actually are you omitting? And then if we get a little bit deeper into that the two great schools of grammarians, the Kufans and the Basrans, and that one of them, of course, which are the Basrans, are going to say that it is a verbal noun, a masdar. A ibtidai ka'in bismillah. My beginning is in the name of Allah. This is what is understood by saying bismillah. And then, of course, according to the Kufans, it's going to have to relate to the verb. A abda. A, I begin by musta'in in bismillah, seeking the help of the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, one of the things that we learn through this bab is that there's something omitted there that relates to the beginning. This is how we want to begin. And in the most metaphysical and cosmic sense, all of creation is, begins with and enfolded in the ba and the bismillah, which is the first verse of Quran. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Everything that is, is. By virtue of this blessed bat, Bismillah. Everything in creation only happens by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying to it, Kun, fayakun, be and it is. And one of the great meanings of it in this sense, when we use it in the Bismillah, is that it's known as the al isti'ana. That is, that a particle that we use to seek assistance in something. So when we say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, really what we're saying is, I am seeking the assistance of Allah, the All Merciful and the Compassionate Subhanahu Wa Taala. Or closely related to that, some say this ba is known as the ba al mulas al mulabasa. Labisa yalbasu is to wear something, and labasa yulabisu is to be very intimate with something, to be associated closely with someone if it's a person. And it's also to encloak someone with some type of garment. And so this ba'an mulabasa is, in other words, the ba' that we use for intimate association. So when we say, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, you are opening up the door of intimacy to understand the meaning of the name of Allah Jalla Jalalu, His greatest name, which is Allah. And the purpose then is one of tabarruk, one of seeking the blessing of mentioning His name subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the two primary meanings of the ba are isti'ana and mulabasa. In other words, that I am mentioning, I am beginning my affair through mentioning the name of Allah with the intention of seeking His assistance subhanahu wa ta'ala and also seeking the blessing of mere mention of His name. But then, what does that do for us? Everything that it is that we do, and we're going to come to the hadith that says, every affair of importance 
that doesn't begin with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim that it is cut off. Cut off from what? From blessing. So if we say this ba and we focus on the meaning of mulabasa, in other words, what is understood is that there will be blessing if you begin anything that is worth beginning in the first place with the name of Allah Jalla Jalalu. And so it is a way of teaching us that everything that it is that we do, we begin with the name of Allah Jalla Jalalu. We're going right back to the very beginning of creation and all of the other relative beginnings that we experience in our lives. And then when we start anything that is that we do, we begin with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, and there are exceptions, of course. And the exceptions are on the tongue of the Prophet himself, وسلم, who teaches us when to make that exception. So a khutbah, for instance, never begins with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Because our sunnah of our Prophet is to begin with Alhamdulillah. So there are exceptions. But we learn those exceptions from Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and there are wisdoms in those various exceptions that he gives us Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the Quran itself, learning the meanings of the Basmala, teach us how it is that we should be with the name of Allah. That we should say this name realizing that we need His assistance in everything that it is that we do that we should strive to honor this name and to exalt his name subhanahu wa ta'ala and to seek the blessing by the mere mention of it. And there are amazing things that happen as we will come to learn just by mentioning the blessed name of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have the bahir which means those two primary meanings but then we have the word ism, which ism actually is the word for noun, but here it translates as name. And if you notice that when we write it, there's no alif after the ba, whereas normally there would be. And this is because al-istimal, because it is written so often that eventually that the alif was removed, so the ba is connected directly to the scene. And then you will have those that come a little bit later that talk about some of the meanings of that. And incidentally, the ba is the second letter in the Arabic language, whereas the alif is the first. And that the numerical equivalent of alif, of course, is one. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one. And then ba as the second letter points to multiplicity. And so all multiplicity in the world ultimately goes back to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so just as that alif is hidden, and you're seeing that ba which indicates and symbolizes that multiplicity, so is the case when you look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. That when we see creation, we are seeing the effects of what He has brought into existence. And we are seeing multiplicity. But it is only the disbeliever that is truly preoccupied by this multiplicity, which is one of the meanings when Allah says, Al-Hakum al-Takathur. You have been preoccupied by takathur, al-Hakum, it has distracted you. What is takathur here? The outward meaning relates to vying for a lot of worldly things. You want abundant amount of worldly things. But then a more spiritual interpretation at the Catholic here refers to multiplicity, al-hakum.
You have been preoccupied by all the multiplicity in the world. You've been preoccupied by all of these different things happening, people believing and people disbelieving. You've been preoccupied by Jalal or by Jamal. You've been preoccupied by sickness or by health or something else. And for some people, when they're in a bad state, they turn to Allah. And other people, when they're in a good state, they turn to Allah. Different people, they get preoccupied and distracted by different things. But the people of Allah know Allah in all of His different states. In states of Jamal and in states of Jalal. So, Bismillah, in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then if you notice in the bat that we actually write it a little bit larger than normally that we write bat. Usually a bat is not written that high, but we نطول bat. We actually that bring the first part of the letter up a little bit higher. And this is for ta'zim. This is to exalt the way that we begin the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is according to the instructions of the sixth caliph, Sayyidina Umar bin Abdul Aziz, that he used to say, that make the bat long, and write clearly the scene, and write the meme in a beautifully circular way, to exalt the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's done intentionally. So that you and I can have the proper exaltation that needs to be the case when we approach the book of Allah. And this is one of the wisdoms of these huruf and muqatta'a right after the Fatiha alif lam mim. In other words, these are three letters. We know that the Arabic language and the Arabs knew that the Arabic language was composed of letters. But this was not customary that letters be disjointed and just be mentioned alongside other words that have meaning. And one of the rhetorical meanings of that is, know that these are letters that you know, but know in order to come to this book, you have to be humble. You have to exalt it. kitab. You translate it as this. But ذَلِكَ here is for ta'zim, lam al-bu'd. To indicate that the Qur'an is something lofty. And if you want to come to the Qur'an and benefit from it, there are two things that you need to do. You need to have humility before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you need to exalt His book. And any believer, even if they only speak that one word of the Arabic language, if they have these two traits, they will benefit immensely from Allah's book. Humility and ta'zim, humility and exaltation. And if you have these two traits, you might actually benefit much greater from the recitation of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than even someone who is adept and fluent in the Arabic language. So we have Bismillah. And so we mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because then now, and we mention the name of Allah, and this is done specifically for the previously mentioned reasons with the conscious intention of seeking blessing. Because Allah Ta'ala could have said, Billahi, and no doubt that we're supposed to enter into the Qur'an, Billah, through Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it's mentioned ism here, the name of Allah, so that we can know what it is that we need to do in relation to this great proper name of our Lord, Allah. And that is that we seek the assistance of Allah, and that we seek the blessing of His name, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and know that anything that is connected to Him, will be a matter that is great. 
And this is why you could do the most simple of actions. And the scholars have said this. That rupa amalin sagirin to niya. How many of a small deed that one can do is made great by virtue of the intention that they make behind it? It could be something very simple. But because of the strength of your intention, it's accepted with Allah Jalla Jalalu. And it's the means of your forgiveness. They used to mention about the great Hujjat al-Islam, Imam al-Ghazali. Who you could go on and on and on about all of his virtues, all of his contributions, everything that it is that he did for the Ummah of our Prophet But someone saw him in a dream and said, Mada fa'al Allah bik? What did Allah do with you? And this is a dream, but yustatnis bih. There's meanings that we can take from it. And he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave me because one time when I was writing, I dipped my pen into the inkwell. And as I was taking it away from the inkwell, a fly landed on the tip of my pen. And I paused, and instead of swatting it away, I let the fly drink from the ink. And Allah Ta'ala forgave me because of those sins. One tiny little act of all of the different moments of life. SubhanAllah. It was that one act that was the means of Allah Ta'ala to forgive us. To forgive Him. And likewise, this is the case with us. Never belittle any act of goodness. <clears throat> any act of goodness. Because the rida of Allah, the contentment of Allah Ta'ala, might be found in that particular act. So when we mention the name of Allah, what are we mentioning? This name should move our hearts. If you notice here, that you never pronounce Allah Allah. It's always mufakham. It's always pronounced Allah. Because this is a majestic name that of course includes His Jalali, Jamali attributes subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is what is befitting that we should only mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we are serious and for good reason. And we should avoid swearing for the sake of Allah ta'ala for anything other than something that is really important. And this is one of the great traits of Imam Shafi. He said that he never swore by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ever in a state of jesting or in a state of seriousness, even in a state of seriousness. Because the name of Allah was that great to them. And from the blessing of Allah, we don't have to write that name without vowels. And it doesn't have to be the high priest who only pronounces it in one particular geographical location on earth on one particular time of the year in the holies of the holies on the day of Yom Kippur we have the blessing through the prophesies and open up the door for us to pronounce the name of Allah Taala whenever we want and the only time that we don't mention the name of Allah is that we're in a place that is not appropriate to mention Him but then we can still mention Him in our hearts and this is from the blessing of Allah is that He permitted us subhanahu wa ta'ala to mention his name and then encouraged us in his book and on the tongue of our Prophet ﷺ to mention that name abundantly. But the name Allah is an anam, it is a proper name that refers to the wajib al wujud, the one who subhanahu wa ta'ala is necessarily existent. In other words, his existence was not caused, he is totally self sufficient. 
He is totally self-sustaining, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the uncreated creator who brought everything else into existence. And he is the one who is mustahiq, absolutely deserving. Li jamil kamalat of all aspects of perfection, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Muhammad in praise. This is our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what a blessing, again, to have absolute clarity on how we define Allah. Absolute clarity. That is how we define our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the word in Arabic, ilah, so we say, la ilaha illallah, and ilah is a God that is worshipped with right or without right. But when you say Allah, Jalla Jalalu, this is the Ma'bud Bihaq. He is the one, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is worshipped in truth, and He is the one who is worshipped because He deserves to be worshipped, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we follow right up after mentioning this great name of Allah, with the closest name of Allah to, to being a proper noun, which is the name of Allah, Ar-Rahman. Qudullah, Awud Ar-Rahman. Say, call upon Allah or call upon the Rahman. And what a blessing. Because His mercy outstrips His wrath, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that it's almost as if His name, Ar-Rahman, is also a proper name because mercy penetrates and pervades all of creation. This is the wisdom. His mercy has outstripped his wrath. There would be no existence were it not to be for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why the first distinction that we make between the name of Allah ar-Rahman and the name of Allah ar-Rahim is that ar-Rahman is the one who gave us the ni'mat al-ijad. The blessing of being brought into existence. And the Rahim is manifest in this world as how we receive the blessing of Imdad. The blessing of being sustained after having been brought into existence. And then we have an aphorism of the great Ibn Atayla al-Sakandari that says, نِعْمَتَانْ مَا خَلَى مَوْجُودَ عَنْهُمَا وَلَا بُدِّ لِكُلِّ مُكَوِّنَ مِنْهُمَا There are two blessings <coughs> that every created thing has as a part of their being created. And they are what? The blessing of ni'mat al-ijad, the blessing of being brought into existence, wa ni'mat al-imdad, and the blessing of having sustained uh, existence. An'ama awwalin bil-ijad, and he says, Allah Ta'ala first bestowed his favor upon us by bringing us into existence wa thanna bitawal al-imdad. And then he followed up and gave us a second great blessing of having the continual sustained existence from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> you could also say Ar-Rahman, he is the giver of great blessings, like the great blessings of Islam, Iman, and Ihsan, the blessings of Ma'rifah, knowledge of Allah, the blessing of Hidayah, the blessing of guidance, the blessing of all of the different manifestations that relate to us drawing near to Him and coming to know Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, just as He is also Ar-Rahim, who is the giver of subtle blessings. We don't call them small, we call them subtle. And these are the blessings of health, these are the blessings of well-being, these are the blessings of having a lawful source of income in things of this nature. Or you could say, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
is that he is the Rahman in dunya wal akhirah. He is the most merciful of this world and the next world, but he is the Rahim al akhirah, and that he is the one that shows a special mercy in the next world, which is solely for the believers, as he says in the, his book, And he was compassionate with the believers, subhanahu wa ta'ala. What a way to start Allah subhanahu his book, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what a way to teach us. And when they talk about what is possible from the portion that human beings can have from these great names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the only thing that they mention in relation to his name Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we become immersed and absorbed in that name. In other words, that we mention it so much is that we are constantly in the state of remembrance of our Lord Jalla Jalala. We constantly remember his name. And there's a hadith in Sahih Muslim that states is that the end of time will not come until Allah, Allah is no longer said on earth. Allah, Allah. So we should be people that are constantly remembering the name of our Lord. Mention the name of your Lord, Allah Jalla Jalalu. We should mention his name abundantly. And we should mention his name often, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we should mention his name in all of our different affairs. And we should strive our best to take our portion of his name, Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. In the name of Ar-Rahman, the way that that can be potentially put into practice in a limited human way is that we are merciful more in a religious sense. Is that we help and we aid other human beings to believe in the realities of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. We help them in the spiritual path and assist them in doing what they need to draw near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next world. And then the manifestation of his name Ar-Rahim in relation to the human being relates to taking care of all of the worldly needs of all of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creatures. Of course human beings, but even beyond human beings. Taking care of animals, taking care of plants, being custodians of the earth, taking care of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. So when we say, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, essentially what we are saying is, I begin in the name of Allah, seeking His assistance, in all of my affairs, by mention of His blessed name, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now I want to look at just a few of the virtues that have come in hadith about the basmalah. And that the first hadith narrated by Jabir ibn Abdullah states that when Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim was revealed, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swore an oath by His might and His majesty is that never will this name be evoked upon anything illa wa barakafi, except that he will place blessing in it. In other words, it's as simple as that. You say Bismillah or Bismillah rahman rahim Allah will place blessing in whatever it is that you're doing. You stand up to speak that you're going to visit someone, you leave your house. Think about all the times we say Bismillah. From the time that we wake up in the morning, until the time that we go to sleep at night. How many times do we say Bismillah? 
We should say it at the beginning of every class. We should say it <clears throat> as we exit our homes. We should say it as we get into our cars. We should say it as we enter into the prayer space or into the masjid. We say it in our prayers. We say it when we perform wudu. We say it when we wear our clothing. When do we not say Bismillah? When do we not say Bismillah? We say it in all of our different affairs. And every time that we do, that Allah Ta'ala places blessing whatever it is that we are doing. And then we also know this hadith that was previously quoted, كُلُّ أَمْرٍ ذِي بَالٍ لَا يُبْدَوْ بِهِ بِبِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ فَهُوَ أَخْطَعْ وَفِي رِوَيْ أَجْدَمْ وَفِي رِوَيْ أَذْدَمْ And that every affair of importance that doesn't begin with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim will be cut off. And then in another narration, that ejdam is to have leprosy. Ednab is for an animal to be tailless, to not have a tail. I.e., there's nox, there's deficiency. Leprosy is a deficiency, it's an ailment. In other words, all of these meanings point to the same essential meaning that they will lack blessing. That were we to have invoked the blessed name of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala, that it would have blessing. And it is for this reason that our Prophet used to say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim often. <coughs> and in one narration that we know, كَانَ يُرَدِّدُهَا صَلَى اللَّهُ There's times that you repeat it 20 times in a row. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. <coughs> That he repeated it, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, a total of twenty different times. And one of the companions, one time by the name of Abu Tamima al-Hujaymi, he was riding on a camel with the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, or on a donkey rather. He was riding upon a donkey of the, with the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the Prophet, sallallahu used to ride donkeys, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and this was from his humility. And donkeys. Believe me, by experience, are not easy animals to ride. But this is from his humility, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he used to ride on that donkeys. And there was times where he would have others with him. And this individual that he was riding, that on the donkey behind the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the donkey tripped. And the man said, Ta'is shaitan which is a way of cursing shaitan. In other words, it's almost as if he's cursing the donkey, because the donkey tripped when he had Rasulullah on it, sallallahu And the Prophet corrected his understanding. He said, La shaitan. Do not say that literally this means shaitan, may he be miserable. It's a way of cursing him. He says, because if you say this, is that shaitan himself strengthens and says that I'm going to try to wrestle this person with my own strength. He says, rather say Bismillah, because he says that if you say Bismillah, is that shaitan, is that will lose his power until he will be more powerless than a fly, when you say Bismillah. And so in other words, there's a relationship between blessing in anything and shaitan being repelled. Those two don't mix like oil and water. If there's barakah in someone or in something or any particular place, is that shaitan will be the most distant of people from that place or from that person. And then we have this amazing story, and this is one of these stories that you simply don't try at home, but it shows the level of yaqeen, the certainty of Sahaba to Rasulullah where in normal cases, this story, it would be haram for a normal individual to do this. 
This is a story they mentioned in the Sirah of Sayyidina Khalid bin Wali. And he was in a particular region and Zoroastrians came up to him and they said that you are claiming that you will follow the religion of Islam. He said, they said, show us a sign then so that we can actually become Muslim. So Khalid bin Walid in that moment, this is what you would use in a later way of referring to this state, he went into a had. He went into a state. And he said to me, bring me deadly poison. So they go and they bring him a bowl of deadly poison. And Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid takes this bowl and he says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And he drinks the entire bowl of poison. And it didn't affect him in the slightest bit. And they realized this is the deen of truth, and they became Muslim. This was his certainty. And the scholars say the only thing that made it permissible in that moment was his certainty that La hawla wa la quwwata billah bismillahi la yadhur ma'asmi shay'un fi al-ardi wa la fi as-sama' wa huwa as-sami'ul 'alim in that moment because of the state of Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid it was not poison because he was not seeing the asbab if someone is not in that state this would be haram to do but Sayyidina Khalid and normally when you say the word bismillah it has to be on something that is an obligation or something that is recommended or something that is permissible. You don't say Bismillah for something that is makur or something that is haram. But this was a different state because of his degree of certainty. In that moment, he was not seeing poison. He was seeing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could intervene in that moment. And even though that it actually is deadly poison, it's only going to kill him if Allah causes the killing directly from the poison. Otherwise, that it won't harm him in the slightest bit, which in this case that it didn't. But this is how we have to be. With the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to have confidence, and we have to realize is that when you mention the name of Allah, Allah will be on your side. And look at this beautiful story in conclusion with the story of Sayyidina Musa, that as they come to the Red Sea, and he realizes that there's those that are with him realize there's no way for them to go. And one of his followers says, That inna la mudrakun. That they've caught us. There's no way for us to escape. What did Sayyidina Moses say in that moment? Kalla. No. Inna ma'ya rabbi siyahdeen. Indeed, with me is my Lord who will guide us. And then what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused a miracle to happen. It saved Moses and the other Israelites from the tyranny of the Pharaoh and those that were following him. But this is the way that we need to be with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and realize with absolute certainty that the means are as Allah ta'ala has placed them. But if we place our trust in Allah, is that the way that we will interact and the means will be very differently.
الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم اجمعين وشهد ان لا اله الا الله وشهد ان محمد رسول الله ما بعد عباد الله اني موصيكم ونفسي اياي بتقوى الله ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا ابراهيم وعلى ال سيدنا ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا ابراهيم وعلى ال سيدنا ابراهيم في العالمين انك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى عن ساداتنا الخلفاء الراشدين ابي بكر وعمر وعثمان وعلي وجميع ساداتنا الصحابه الكرام واهل بيت الرسول الله المطهرين من الجاس وعلينا معهم في رحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم عز الاسلام وانصر المسلمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات المسلمين والمسلمات الاحياء منهم والاموات اعوكم الله نصركم الله ان الله يمر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروا نعمه يزدكم ولا ذكر الله اكبر